Hello and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm Anna Lively and I hope you all are enjoying the start of the spring college sports seasons like I am. This week on the podcast, I am joined with 11-time national champion and Hall of Fame coach Sue Inquist. Today, we will be talking about her journey from player to coach, lessons she taught her players, and so much more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share this sports podcast with other sports fans out there. Well, without further ado, let's head to this episode. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I am so excited for you all to hear this episode because I am talking with softball Hall of Fame legendary coach, Coach Sue Inquest. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I look forward to our conversation. So you were the first ever All-American for UCLA softball. What was it like being a player and then continuing your legacy at that school as a coach? Well, I think what's really special for me and my memories is when I got to UCLA, we had just converted to intercollegiate. We were a club prior to that. So we were a little bit like the bad news bears in that, we wore the men's track team, practice t-shirts were our game uniforms. And we had really humble beginnings. You know, we had no fence. We had a roll up backstop, tie down bases. It was just wow. a different time. You know, it was a really different time, but we had a coach who said, it's about your effort and your attitude and game doesn't know who's supposed to win and we're going to really really be fanatical about our fundamentals and that's what we did and in four short years we made it to the world series on rank no one scored a run against us and that really was the blueprint that we really tried to copy each year and then transitioning from a player to an athlete i mean to a coach i never planned on getting into coaching i was going to be a respiratory therapist working in the er and my head coach at the time asked me if I would just help out for one quarter before I walk in graduation because academically I was finished. My eligibility was, uh, my eligibility was done and I just had to finish academically. And I said, sure, I'm not going to get into coaching. And that transition into coaching, I never realized how inspiring it was to be able to help other people put their game together and to see the light bulb go on for them and the idea of helping them get better i fell in love with it and it was literally one quarter later i told my parents i wasn't going to go to graduate school and you know i'm a daughter of a military father and my mother was a nurse and my mom was so excited she's like oh the girls are gonna love that and then my dad you know he's a aerospace engineer and he's like oh who's gonna pay for the bills and all that you know? <laughs> so I had this wonderful balance between my mom and my dad when I was transitioning from player to coach and it ended up being really an enjoyable journey well that's so cool that you talked about going from just the very beginning you were there during the very beginning of the softball program and now to see it today decades later the the powerhouse school that UCLA is every single year. And so it's so cool to hear your viewpoint and see how you 
saw that whole process come into fruition there. And then going to be a coach, you know, obviously you weren't planning it originally, but you talked a little bit about hopefully making an impact, which I definitely know you did because I've talked with some of your athletes that you coached as well. And they've talked about how much of an impact you made on their life. So when, when you're looking like from your coach's perspective, once you started coaching at UCLA, like, what are you looking for when you recruited student athletes? Well, I think beyond the big talent buckets that they have to check off in terms of the skill at their position, for me, it was two things. How much they hustle. Didn't matter the position. I was looking for hustle. And probably the most important thing was their failure recovery. How quickly were they able to move to the next play? and not sit in the failure of that one moment. So those were probably two really big ones beyond just the fundamental technical mastery that we're looking for at that position. Yeah, and, and I bet uh, the mental game mindset had a lot to do with that as well. Like, did you have a favorite part of working with your athletes regarding the mental side of the game, regarding on how you work to help get through those failure aspects quicker? Well, I think what's a big misconception out there, you know, we had 15 Olympians that I had an opportunity and was blessed to work with. And one of the fallacies out there is that our high performers are fearless and our high performance have nothing but confidence. And it's actually just the opposite. They're very heightened. They uh, pick up a lot of stimuli because the brain is wired to pick up any threats and it's the exercising of your mental control of understanding you can't control the thoughts that come in to your conscious state you can't control those thoughts that come in but you can control what you do with them and where they go in your head and that's to me the separator uh between our our high performers and those that can't quite get over the hump mentally those ones that can't get over the hump they don't know how and where to put those thoughts uh, once they come into their head. And the high performer is extremely efficient in putting it where it needs to be in that moment to allow them to get to the next play mindset. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that because I think that's always something I continue to work on as well because obviously you can't control what comes into your mind, but like the reaction and how you move forward after that or after that bad play or after that you know, thing in your life or whatever is only you can control those, those parts of it. And you, you firsthand know how to control those things because you're the only person to win both a national championship as a player and as a coach, which is incredible first off. And as an 11 time national champion, what does it really take to win the women's college world series? Well, first of all, I have some fun updated uh, information. I probably, you probably got my outdated bio, but what's so wonderful is that's no longer a record. I was the first, but I'm no longer the only because my former player, former assistant, now current head coach, Kelly Inouye Perez won two championships. So oh, now we have right. Two people. Two people. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. So, uh, and I'm extremely proud of that. Um, what does it take to win a championship? I, I think of championships, they're like a Rubik's cube. And 
there's all these different categories, all these different sides, and you got to turn them and twist them and turn them and twist them and turn them and twist it, turn them and twist it, and you hope that all the colors line up. And so many facets are important. Number one is you have to start with the talent. Um, good attitudes can can get you only so far. You, you start with the foundational talent. And then what drives that talent is a strong foundation in your values and the standards that you carry out every day. Now you get into the cooker. You're in Oklahoma City. You're at the championship. The separator for me is the teams that performed very well at the World Series for us were the ones that had a really clear sense of how they got there and they just clamped on to all of those nuances, despite the fact they may have a shaky first at bat and may have a shaky first inning on the mound. They're really unshakable, even when the environment gets really unstable. That's an important nuanced area that I don't think we talk enough about. Many teams will try to change. We're going to the next level. We're now going to the big time. And we always say at UCLA, the game doesn't know who's supposed to win. Clamp on to what got you there and just move through the failures because in general, it's not just one failure that catches up to any one team. It's actually a pattern of things that usually happen. And so the quicker you can own it and move on, the more efficient the team overall is going to play. And we really were steadfast in that mantra to just move on, own it and move on. And it served us well. Yeah, I think that's really important that you just talked about instead of trying to change things or figure out what else was wrong besides like owning if you made a mistake and moving on when you're at that high of a level, the Women's College World Series. I mean, you're playing with most of the same girls probably and the same team that you've had the whole year. But when you get to that next level, it's just like working on, you know, taking ownership of that. But throughout your so many trips to the Women's College World Series, what are some things that you learned as a player, but also throughout your coaching career? Well, I'm going to give you one answer for both. That the teams that can still have fun are the teams that are best positioned to play their best softball and ultimately win. The years where we were selfish or we put too much pressure on ourselves, we didn't play our best version of UCLA softball and consequently fell short. So for me is to look at having fun as a standard, just as we gotta get the bunt down and we gotta swing at strikes and we gotta play solid defense, we gotta make sure that we have fun Monday through Friday and see the fun and the joy in the game. Because after all, that's why we all got into it is it was really fun. It was fun with our friends. It was fun playing a combination of individual sport. You're standing up there against the pitcher. That's an individual sport but you're also with your team on defense and you have to work together. And I love that combination that the game demands of you. And so for coaches listening and players, make sure you, you keep fun and joy as a standard, as a line item that you evaluate every day, every week. Are we having fun? Because when you're having fun, the hard part is easy to get through. I love that, that you brought it all the way back to having fun, because that's the reason why you you start the sport that you love and play at that high of a level because you're not going to get there unless you started it for a reason other than you wanted to have fun and do it with your friends and so being able to remember that and you know having you as a coach to like remind the athletes of that definitely 
I imagine helped so much. And so I'm so glad you brought that up yet. Yeah, Cause I know it's sometimes hard to like focus on having fun in the pressure situations, but that helps you not feel as much pressure. I, I would think and feel personally as when I've played sports as well. And so what would you say that some of the things that you wanted to instill in players while you were coaching them for them to use outside of softball as well in their life after they finished their playing career? Well, I'm a product of a military father and being on time was really important to me. Uh, we had a saying, early is on time, long time is late, late is unacceptable. That was really important for me because that demonstrates your preparation and your planning once you graduate and go work for an employer, they're going to want to know that they can rely on you and you're dependable. Uh, number two would be having an attitude that is positive. No matter how difficult the situation, we can find something to be positive about, something to just get, as we say, 1% better every day. I never asked my athletes to be all Americans or national champions. I just needed them to get 1% better today. What are we going to work on? at left field today, is it footwork, is it, is it arm accuracy, is it reading angles, just let's really, really focus on little things, and we can have fun with that, and we can have fun with each other, so that idea of having a really positive attitude, and just worrying about little things, not big things, and then the work, putting in the actual work, and those players that made it to the top, they didn't make it to the top because they showed up to practice every day. They made it to the top because they were taking their own time, working on their own individual game, unassisted, not being pushed or shoved or prodded. They were self-motivated. So those players that put in the work, stay positive and are on time, those are the things I wanted my players to take on when they become leaders in their own uh, careers. But those are important qualities to have when you're building a team or you're being a, a performer. I think that's so much gold, like information and gold nuggets that I can definitely take on and continue to remember in my life. But I, I love that you bring up those things because I think the positivity aspect of it and putting in the work outside of when people see you doing it is so much more important, not just for like, I did it, but like to know you're doing it for yourself to improve by, by yourself, by like pushing yourself individually as well. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting, you know, your generation of, of student athletes is very competitive and, and we're constantly, you know, we're constantly asked, you know, how can we separate ourselves from our peers, right? That's a question that you have yes. in, in the recruiting process. And I, I always tell student athletes, you want to separate yourself, be the first one at the clinic, be the first one at the camp and be the last one to leave. And when you walk out the door, ask the coaches, is there anything else I can do? Because having that awareness to be giving and serving others, that's a separator because we're in the me generation. You want to separate yourself, be in the we generation, and that will really get your coach's attention. I, I love that. I just wrote that down. Instead of like focusing on me, you know, obviously you're trying to succeed and continue to pursue your dreams at the next level of whatever that may be, sports or outside, but like continuing to focus on helping others as well and like motivating and uplifting them if that's encouraging them or being there is so important you know one, one more thought on this too just just to remind the student athletes out there that most of you are really good people 
really hard workers and you're going to go play a failure sport. And you have to remember that when you walk through those gates, you have to recalibrate. I'm going to fail a lot in the next two hours. And it's not attached to your character. So you never have to feel like you're a loser. You may have lost the game. You may have had a bad day, but that doesn't make you a bad person. And if we can always keep those things separate, you'll have more enjoy- enjoyment in the game. Yes, thank you so much for adding that because I think that's so important because I think as a fellow athlete, I assume you sometimes went through that in your coaching career, athletics career. You you sometimes like, it was hard to separate the two at some point. So like as much as you want to be a great uh, softball player that doesn't reflect right uh, off of how you are as a person. So sometimes if you do bad as a softball player, you, you have to try to figure out how to like, work through that as in like, I'm not a bad person. It's just a bad day or the softball aspect. Cause they're, they're not the same things if you know what I mean. And so. Yep, absolutely. And now you're a hall of fame coach, which is amazing. And as you reflect on your career, what would you say are some of the things that you've enjoyed throughout your career and some of the things that you hoped your players had taken away from your program? Well, Anna, you know, I came from a really small town and in, in Southern California, a small town called San Clemente. And when I got to UCLA, a whole new world, world opened up to me. Just a great diversity of people and backgrounds and curriculum. So for me, when I reflect on my career, it was thanking UCLA for giving me this life and this lifestyle. Thank you, UCLA, for educating me on the importance of diversity of people and thought and background. It made our program more rich, our experience more rich. Thank you for the opportunity to be a voice in the sport, to to be somebody that benefited directly from Title IX and those listeners that don't know about Title IX, you know, Title IX is a federal mandate in education that boys and girls should be treated equally in education and sport and provides equal access and opportunity. And I directly benefited from that. And so when I reflect on my career, not only the things that UCLA gave me, but the things that the athletics department gave me, a lot of people don't know this, but I was also I competed on UCLA surf team and also our rugby team. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, a lot of people, I don't spend a lot of time talking about that, but it certainly was an enjoyable time to be an athlete because you had time to be in other sports and meet other athletes and really just gain just a more well-rounded perspective on life. Um, What I want student athletes to feel when they played for me was a sense of accomplishment, but more importantly, a sense of readiness, that I'm ready for the world and I'm ready to take on the world and I'm ready to lead in my community and in my teams and at my workplace. Those are the things that I hope they can draw on and as they build their families and they find themselves now in leadership positions, I hope some of the principles that we taught them are serving them well in their leadership positions. 
Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think that's first off so cool that you were playing other sports at the same time. I bet that's a fun fact. Not many people know. I hadn't known that beforehand either. So you, you juggle doing those sports on top of softball. But, but you see, you have to remember, you know, today our athletes are playing 50, 65 games a season. When I was playing, we were only playing like 35. So oh. we had a really short season. So we had we had months. We're like, oh, what are we going to do these two months? We're like, oh, let's go try for the rugby team, right? And so it was just a lot more freedom and not as much pressure. You know, your generation, I get excited about your generation because, you know, as much as people talk about your generation, and I deal with your age group a lot as now that I'm a consultant, and I have great hope and optimism because you all, the, the hard part is you all see the, the good, bad, and ugly of the world. I never saw it growing up because we didn't have social media. I didn't have the world in the palm of my hand. That's good and bad. But the good for you is the sense of empowerment that you have platforms now where you can change, you individually can change the world. I mean, Anna, think about what you're doing. You're running a podcast and you're reaching hundreds and thousands of people that you would never be able to reach in my generation. So even though people say, oh, you know, those Gen Zers, I love the way they see the world. I love the fact that they're highly critical of, you know, the world as it is, and they do feel empowered to take it on and have a voice. So I'm one of the people that is actually very optimistic, optimistic about the future. Well, thank you. And yes, I think it's so important to like, as you talked about a little bit before, even when you were coaching as well, like feeling empowered and being empowered, because obviously you're not always going to have a great day, which is part of life and you have to work through those, but being empowered to know that you can make a difference in the world at, if it's at a young age, at old age, doesn't matter as long as you're making a difference and you can help other people. I think that's such an important thing and so cool that we have the opportunity to do that in today's day and age yeah and you you have an important voice you know you're gathering just this huge repository of life experiences that you can share with others and that will help you be a more positive influence on people you know i i say this often that i i never heard anybody say Oh, I couldn't stand Anna. She believed in us too much, right? <laughs> they, would, they would never say that. They would never say that. So the world is looking for people that see greatness in others. And you have a huge, you know, treasure chest of information to share with your colleagues and your friends and your teammates. Yes, well, thank you so much. And I'm a pleasure to an honor to have you such a knowledgeable person and well known and amazing coach to to learn from as well. And not only have you done all that coaching, but you're also the founder of one softball. Why did you decide to start this? And what is your goal for it? Well, I wanted to start one softball because I saw a huge education gap between softball families entering the sport and the path to college. And so I pulled together my network of friends and colleagues and we built a huge uh, repository of videos that answer all the key 
questions and concerns that softball families and student athletes have. And we have a free library online at onesoftball.com that tackles our toughest issues, which are confidence, uh, failure recovery, path to college, character development, technical tips. And I wanted it to be free because I wanted everybody to have access to it. So I'm really excited about that. And overall, we've accomplished so much because we've never really had an entity that's providing education for free to kind of close that gap between starting in rec ball, how do I get to play at the collegiate level? Because it's a very complicated path that needs somebody to help simplify it. That's what we try to do. Well, that's so great that you have created that opportunity and platform for other people anywhere in the country, the world to use um, at a level that everybody can access it. So everybody, onesoftball.com, look it up. I've already done so. I know I can learn more from it as well. So I'm excited to look more into that. So speaking of like pro softball and Team USA softball, as I've been talking with current pro softball players and current Team USA players uh, about trying to grow the game and getting it consistently into the Olympics every four years, I just wanted to know your perspective and what you think needs to be done to grow the game and have it in every Olympic cycle. Yeah, great question. Really complicated answer. Number one, I'm going to go at a really macro wide level that from a global perspective, we've got to remember that all countries in the world under the IOC, the International Olympic Committee umbrella, all have a vote. And if their country doesn't play softball, that hurts us because they don't have motivation to vote it in. So number one would be to work harder on global initiatives to grow softball, especially in areas where it's not fully evolved. That's number one. Internally from a domestic issue, I wish we could do more for our national team players and our Olympians. Here are the most valued talent pool in the country, and they have to work so hard to stay afloat financially. Breaks my heart. I just wish we could find that kind of support where they know if they become part of the the core national team, that number varies each year, but if they become part of that core national team that they know that they're going to have a full-time you know, they're going to have a full-time paycheck that they don't have to be doing two or three things at once. Yes. I think that's important. And I hope as the women's pro fast pitch league begins this summer and we have the aero pro softball as well with athletes unlimited, hopefully those leagues can continue to grow to give the softball athletes who are the best in the country that opportunity to play it full time because they're so talented and they deserve to, you know, be rewarded for all their hard work and dedication. Well, yeah. And, you know, Athletes Unlimited has done a wonderful job of presenting a really fun and, you know, innovative way to, to view the softball program. And, and if you're a diehard and you're like, oh, they've got different rules and I'm not into that. And, you know, all the rising tides raise all boats. And so if you're a softball fan and it's not the perfect layout that you like, we need your support. Follow, follow them on 
online and, and tap into a game and they're serving the community, they're fundraising for the communities. They're doing so much great work and our softball community in this country gets behind them. They'll stay afloat. And we, we also have to remember, we've got the women's pro fast pitch coming this summer too. And, and what a, a really exciting partnership with USA softball partnering with USA. I mean, these are two mammoth organizations that haven't always been on the same page together. It's not like they're locking arms there. It's a competitive business and they're now locking arms and they're going to be fielding teams this summer. And, you know, one of our greatest of all time, former Olymp um, Oklahoma big time hitter, Lauren Chamberlain is the commissioner. And so we know we've got a player's commissioner in there and that's going to be powerful too. So we just really have to get behind these players so we can keep them in the game as long as possible. Most of our players, they have to leave prematurely because they just can't make ends meet financially. And that breaks my heart because we should have the best in the country for as long as they want to stay on that team. Yes, I totally agree with you. So as the U.S., we just need to continue to back them up. And all these amazing leagues are starting and continuing to grow. And so the fact that we have the opportunity to watch the top softball players in the in the country, in the world, arguably, um, on a basis, not only in college softball that's starting soon, which I'm so excited for, but yes. also now professessionally in the summer as well. So we just need to get behind them and continue to grow the sport so that what every time is what? Sorry. Oh, I was just listening. Oh, I thought you said something. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. No problem. I'll change that. Okay. Um, okay. Let me just get this last part. Okay. Hopefully that, okay. No problem. So last but not least, what I always like to do with my guests is what I call my favorite five questions. So first off, what was your favorite memory from your coaching career and why? Oh, when people ask me that, Anna, that's like asking a mother who is her favorite child. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little unfair. I have so many that come come to mind as a player, you know, to be on a team that won the first one, uh, that was extremely powerful. The, the championships that we won back to back in 03 and 04 were powerful, but you know what? There were a lot of games that weren't necessarily on that final day that were just amazing competition that was being played. So I can honestly tell you there's not one that sticks out above the rest. Well, that's so great uh, to have so many different memories to have that you enjoy so much yeah. and can keep with you for the rest of your life. Yes. So another fun one is what was your favorite school subject and why? Well, my my I got my degree in kinesiology. I have a science background and my favorite course was by far biomechanics. I love the study of movement to this day. I love being able to put the principles and the biomechanics behind movement so we can continue to push our sport. Uh, we're in a renaissance regarding wearable technology and we're getting to learn more and more about our sport through science. And um, that's always been a favorite subject of mine, working with 
on base U now on base university, which has given us the science behind the pitching and the hitting and really teaching coaches, parents, even um, the mechanics of movement. So we can actually be more efficient when we're trying to execute a really complicated skill such as hitting. I think that's so cool that we're able to learn that today now and grow, grow with that and learn more about that. And another one I really enjoy asking every guest is what would you tell the younger version of yourself? Oh, goodness. I would first say, Susie, it's not about you. Stop (laughs) worrying about what's going on on the left and what's going on on the right. Stay focused on your effort. Stay focused on your attitude and be great on your failure recovery. Be first up after failure. That's some awesome stuff right there. (laughs) So the next one is if you could plan your ideal day, how do you think you would spend it? Oh, my ideal day. You know what? I'm, I'm spending my ideal days now. You know, I've, um, in, you know, I, I retired in 06. I've been a consultant now for over 15 years and I absolutely love it. I get to pick my projects. I just finished a 15 month uh, and I'm still working with them with USA volleyball. And, uh, yeah, I had an opportunity to work with, our USA Volleyball Olympic team, and uh, was building uh, more architecture around their team culture and had an opportunity to travel with them to the 2020 Olympics. Uh, They won the gold medal. First time in the history of volleyball that USA won the gold medal. So to just be a part of their growth and watch them get in the heat of battle where there's such a small margin for error Uh, was definitely the highlight of my retirement by far was that experience with USA Volleyball, the people in that program, the players in that program, they're just exemplars. So um, being able to pick my own projects, but my days start with uh, jumping in the ocean. I'm an avid surfer. I'm a former pro surfer, and I love being in the ocean every day, handle my projects throughout the day, finish with a run, and uh, I'm ready for bed at that point. Well, that's so awesome. First off, that you had the opportunity to work with Team USA for volleyball for a long period of time and travel with them to the Tokyo Olympics and see them make history, winning their first ever Olympic gold medal and then having fun nowadays surfing. Awesome. Yes. And being able to surf in the middle of the day, you know, surfing, you follow the tide. And I never had that flexibility before when I was coaching, right? You have to be at school all day long. And um, it was it was an opportunity to um, be able to, you know, now I can go ahead and be in the water at the best time during the day. So that works out really well. That's awesome. And last but not least, if your former players described you in only one word, what do you think it would be and why? I think they would say intense. I ran a pretty tight ship and we had a high standard and I was, was pretty, there was a lot of rigor involved and um, I would say probably intense. <laughs> Well, I bet it helped them long-term because obviously you can see you led UCLA to so many championships. So all that hard work paid off. (laughs) Well, 
thank you so much again for joining me today. I had a great time learning about your journey and all the coaches' perspectives of the game of softball. And I, I can't wait to continue to watch and see the sport of softball grow. And thanks for taking your time to talk with me today. Oh, and it was a treat to be with you. I look forward to watching your journey and good luck with everything you do. Congrats on your career thus far, too. Thank you. Thank you.